This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. This is a special Labor Day weekend episode of America on the Road with some of the most important news, road tests, and interviews from a past show. We'll be back with an all-new show next week. An iconic car model is just about to celebrate its 50th birthday, and we'll tell you what car we're talking about and have more details coming up. Meanwhile, the most powerful Ford F-150 pickup truck ever has gone on sale. We'll have details on the 700-horsepower Ford F-150 Raptor R, and we'll tell you how it stacks up against the Ram 1500 TRX later in the show. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Hi, I'm Jack D. Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry. What's summer like around your house, Chris? It's been surprisingly uh, hot, Jack, although I say that, or as I say that, uh, I believe that England is looking at well over 100 degree temperatures uh, for them, which is the hottest on record. But the funny thing here is that we spend three quarters of the year trying to keep the heat in and then three months of the year, like really trying to push the heat out and it just doesn't do as well. So uh, that's where we're at right now. How about you? Yeah, you have extremes. Well, I guess it's a little warmer today than we typically have in Southern California. I'm blessed to live fairly close to the coast, which is a moderating influence here. So it's uh, generally pretty pleasant temperatures. But this is not a show about uh, meteorology. It is indeed, or numerology for that matter, or pretty much any ology except carology, I suppose. Chris, what car will you be talking about this week? I spent the week cruising in the 2022 Mercedes-Benz S580 sedan, the 4Matic model. Uh, a lot of fun there, a wow. lot to talk about. Yeah, strong, strong. I get a chance to drive the 2023 Chevrolet Bolt EV. That, of course, is Chevrolet's most affordable entry into the electric vehicle wars, and uh, we'll tell you all about that in our road test segment. Our terrific interview guest is Mike Darrow. Uh, Mike Darrow is CEO and president of TrueCar. TrueCar is in the process of launching a new initiative that is designed to make car buying much easier. And that's <laughs> perfect timing, I think, because heaven knows it's not all that easy right now. So we'll have the details with him coming up. Uh, so stick around for that. Before we do any of that, though, we will bring you the most important auto-related news from around the world. And we have some, some cool stuff there, including the name of that car that's celebrating its 50th anniversary. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jack Red with you. We're so glad Chris is with us uh, from from Maine there, where I guess you've got very high temperatures. I'm a little heated up thinking about this uh, vehicle that's celebrating its 50th year on the market. Uh, it's making me seem or feel, <laughs> I already am, but I also feel a little old uh, because I was around when this thing was introduced 50 years ago. And the vehicle we're talking about is the Honda Civic which of course is the best-selling Honda automobile of all time. They have sold more than 30 million Civics, more than 12.3 million in the United States since it debuted in 1973. So if it debuted in 1973, why is, the 19, why is 2022 its 50th birthday? Is there, 
you're doing the math there. I'm, <laughs> I'm missing the math a, a little bit. Uh, but uh, maybe that's a Japanese math. I think it was introduced in Japan and then came to America maybe a year later. This is the 11th generation of the Civic. It is also the reigning North American Car of the Year. Of course, I'm on the North American Car of the Year jury. I like the the current one a lot. What's your take on the Civic? Yeah, you grew up with the Civic. I mean, you don't remember a time when there wasn't a Civic. What's your take? That's right. It came out uh, roughly 10 years before I was born. But, you know, I think the important thing here is so they've sold 30 so million of these things. They're extremely popular. The thing that I always come back to that uh, Toyota did with the Corolla, Honda does really well with the Civic is the process of continuous improvement with this car. Like every generation is leaps and bounds, if not leaps and bounds, at least noticeably better than the generation before it. And this 11th generation car, the SI, is, is spectacular. I can't wait to drive the Type R, uh, and the improvements continue. So I think that, for me, is you know the embodiment of Honda Civic, is just constant improvement. Yeah, this is one of those cars that I think is, is cooler than its price, right, and always has been. You just felt better about being in a Honda Civic than virtually anything that was priced about the same, and I think that's still the case today. It's just there's this... Uh, kind of unknown cool factor that goes along with it, and uh, it's fun to drive. I don't know whether younger generations are finding it as cool as I did. It was certainly when I first uh, set foot in and uh, you know sat my butt in the seat of a Honda Civic, I went, wow, this is pretty good, because I'd been driving American cars for forever. Uh, and then when I went to work for car magazines, I suddenly got an imports like the Civic and realized, oh, there's a different way of, of going about things here, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, and they remain pretty cool today. And, and you make a good point, you know, for what is it, $30,000 or whatever, you get the performance, you get plenty of tech, you get a lot of standard safety features, and you get a fun to drive car. I mean, even the standard cars, not like the SI or the Type R, the standard Civic Sport, those models, I mean, they're, they're engaging, they're fun to drive. So uh, definitely uh, a well-rounded car there. Right. It's been North American Car of the Year three times. It's been car uh, on Car and Driver's 10 Best list eight times, and it was also a Motor Trend Car of the Year back in the day. So I think they're doing something right with the Honda Civic. I, I don't think you would disagree with that, and I think we're looking forward to seeing the, the Type R and uh, what what else is coming from uh, Civic. I think they've done a lot of cool things with it. I agree. Well, we alluded to in the beginning of the show the uh, new Ford 2023 F-150 Raptor R, which is, uh, I think, Ford's obvious answer to the Ram 1500 TRX, uh, the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex of of pickup trucks. Uh, The numbers are are virtually spot on, actually. I mean, it's interesting. They're now taking orders on the Type R. Uh, 700 horsepower, 640 pound-feet of torque, so matching up very closely with what the TRX has. Uh, they have a, a dedicated suspension with Fox Live valve shocks, big tires, 37-inch tires, uh, class best uh, ground clearance, probably by, by a fraction, because uh, certainly the TRX has a, a ton of ground clearance too. But what's your take on Ford? Uh, you know, getting really serious about competing with the TRX. Well, I think it was only a matter of time once Dodge dropped the uh, dropped the announcement about the TRX. I think Ford was probably well well aware that that was coming and was already working on it. But these trucks are huge, Jack. And, you know, it's been a while since I was in the TRX. I actually used it to move into this house last year when we moved. Uh, These are giant trucks. And even here in Maine, where there's not very many people, uh, they're hard to drive. But, man, they're so much fun when you get them off-road. So I can't wait to get behind the wheel. 
What's really interesting about the TRX is how wide it is. And I'm wondering if they have done the same thing with the Raptor because they really increased the width of that already really wide truck when they made the TRX version. And that really isn't uh, depicted here in the information uh, that I've, I've received from Ford about the uh, new thing. They've done some pretty interesting stuff, certainly. And you know, the big news here is the um, much added horsepower because the Raptor was way down on horsepower to the TRX before the Type R has been introduced. And now they're, you know, right with the TRX. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that the twin turbo V6 that the old truck or the old truck, the standard truck has, uh, it never really felt underpowered. So, you know, the only thing really missing there was the sound. Obviously, it's not as fast as the TRX or quick as the TRX, but uh, this will be a really interesting matchup. And to your point, this one comes with 37-inch tires standard, where I think the standard Raptor gets 35. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big one. Yeah, wheel travel is also uh, very, very strong. 13 inches in front, 14.1 inches of wheel travel in the rear. This is for desert running. This is, you know, for hitting those whoop-de-doos and, and kind of flying through them uh, and absorbing all that without slowing down. It's It's going to be... Very, very cool. I can't wait to drive this thing. It should be a blast. should be a lot of fun. And I think it'd be fun up in Maine, too, right? I agree. Maybe I'll get one with some snow on the ground. Yeah, that would be very good. It has a trail turn assist. Have you experienced that? That's pretty cool. It's kind of a torque vectoring in a way that, that takes you around uh, tight turns. It, it determines uh, and actually helps the rear come around a little easier. Uh, makes that really long truck seem not quite so long anyway. Yeah, I haven't. I have not actually experienced it. I think it locks the inside rear wheel so the truck can kind of pivot on that, like on an axis. I think the Bronco does it too. Rivian did it, yeah. or Rivian's trucks have it. So um, it's a really interesting feature. I, I actually haven't been in a situation to be able to try it out. So, Well, let's hope you get to be in one. Well, here's the return of a name, and I, I'm curious as to Chris Teague's reaction to this vehicle. Uh, when I saw it, and this is coming back, and we, we know Chris is uh, a Toyota fanboy. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, certainly uh, there are worse brands to be a fanboy of than Toyota. That's for certain. This is the return of the Toyota Crown. Now, a lot of people probably don't remember the Toyota Crown. And I'm wondering, Chris, do you remember the Toyota Crown? I mean, you've heard about it, right? But I, I don't know that you remember it from your youth or anything like that, right? Yep. Yeah, nope. Didn't grow up with a Toyota Crown, but I, I am aware of the nameplate. Uh, so, it, you know, it was, a, it was surprising to see it return, but I, I was familiar with it. Yeah. Well, this, uh, I would say, it, this is a, a quote-unquote reimagined, I'm doing air quotes here, a reimagined sedan. And it strikes me that this is kind of like the uh, the European coupe-like SUVs, right? I mean, maybe that's what they're shooting for here, because this is like a cross between a sedan and an SUV, a crossover SUV. It has, whether you like it or not, uh, interesting styling, that's for certain, very distinctive styling. It's much taller than a sedan, and yet it has kind of a silhouette like a sedan. Uh, what is the Chris Teague reaction to this vehicle? Well, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a measured approach to this. So I don't love it. That's the first thing. But I will say this: there are things about it that lead me to believe that it might look better in person than it does in photos. Uh, the two-tone paint job that we get, I think that's pretty cool. The wheels look nice. Um, you know, maybe I'll take the same approach to this that I did with the Mercedes-Benz uh, coupe SUVs. Is that I'll wait and see. 
but in photos, it's not the most striking thing. Or it's very striking, actually. Just not. Yeah, the it's most, striking. Uh, <laughs> easy on the eyes thing for me, I guess I should say. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a jolt for American eyeballs. We're just not used to shapes like this. Maybe they're a little more used to it uh, in Asia or other markets. Uh, one of the things, and getting off the styling of this thing and the fact that it's you know much taller, I think it's multi-inches taller than a Camry, something like four inches taller if, if memory serves or something like that. Uh, so that's a, that's a big change for a sedan. But it also has two different hybrid powertrains, including a thing called Hybrid Max, which is all in capital letters. So that means it must be really, really powerful. Uh, it's not just uh, a capital uh, at the beginning of each, uh, not a capital H and capital M, but it's all capitals. So, so that's uh, a lot of horsepower. Uh, and I guess so, because it's 340 net horsepower. And uh, when we talked with Cooper Erickson, I think we talked uh, with him on last week's show, uh, we talked quite a bit about how uh, hybrids are, are great for performance. And I think this is an indication of that. I agree. You know, 340 horsepower is pretty serious for a, a sedan. I mean, that's sports sedan territory. So it'll be interesting to see how they implement it here. But I'm happy to see Toyota bring in more power with their hybrids as opposed to just, you know, we're boosting fuel, fuel economy, we're boosting uh, efficiency here. They've actually come out and they're saying, you know, hey, we're, we're going to boost some power here, just like uh, a lot of the German brands do. And I love to see that. Yeah, well, it is uh, more powerful and more fuel efficient. So we like that. And uh, it'll be fascinating when the Toyota Crown comes to us. It'll be coming fairly soon. And when we come back, we will be road testing a couple of vehicles, including a very snazzy Mercedes-Benz that Chris Teague was driving, and I was driving the uh, Chevy Bolt EV. So stay with us for that, and we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jackney Redback. We were so glad you're with us. We really do appreciate it. And I love speaking with Chris about vehicles. I, I think you uh, won the lottery this week, Chris. <laughs> Your vehicle seems quite a bit cooler than mine. Of course, mine is a cool electric vehicle, but uh, I think mine could fit in the trunk of yours. I mean, <laughs> tell me about the uh, S-Class here. It is a very uh, expansive trunk. So this car, and I'll get into the powertrain in just a moment. So the S580, first of all, there's an S500, which is a little bit less expensive. It's got a V6 engine. The S580 is sort of the flagship of their their gas-powered non-AMG cars. It's got a twin-turbo V8. The starting price on this jack is just under $118,000. My test car, the final out-the-door price here, this is before... Uh, any sort of local taxes or anything. It's $150,384. So that is $33,000 in options, $32,000 in options. So listen to this. It has matte gray. It's manufactured selenite gray magno paint. That was $3,200. The interior, Sienna Brown black exclusive Napa leather, $3,100. Uh, and then it's got piano black, which I don't know why anyone would pay for that, but $1,200 for extensive piano black uh, interior. And I want to ask you, because it's been a long time since I've been inside an S-Class, have you been inside the most recent generation? And if so, what do you think about it? This is a very serious car. It is so serious, it's almost impossible to take it all in. I mean, it's kind of like going to uh, just the craziest amusement park and you don't know what ride to take first, right? You just keep like looking around and go, wow, look at this, or look at this, and look at this. And I think that's what I find in the S-Class. There's so much stuff. I, in a week, you really uh, are just scratching the surface <laughs> about all the stuff you can do with it. 
there are so many settings just for the seats that I don't think I would go through all of them in the seven days that I have the car. But uh, in any case, you know, there's several other options here. Two things I want to mention. Uh, Mercedes credited back on this particular car money for the air balance package. Uh, those are due to the, the supply chain and the chip shortage. So they're removing fa- they're removing features and they're giving buyers a small discount or refund for the I guess the hassle, but in any case, this car has got a four liter. It's a twin turbocharged four liter V8. It's 496 horsepower, 516 pound feet of torque. Uh, this is a formatic model. So it's all wheel drive and it's got a nine speed automatic transmission. And with just shy of 500 horsepower on tap and such a large V8, you would expect some noise, some drama. Uh, this car takes all of that and some premium fuel and turns it into absolute silence. And uh, what it also does really well is uh, exceeding the speed limit. So uh, very quickly, without knowing it, with no sound, with no drama, uh, you can very quickly be uh, 10 to 15 miles an hour above the speed limit. I think it's because it's so silent and so smooth, you just feel at ease going way over the speed limit. Yeah, I mean, the only real indication is that you slowly sink back into the seat a little bit as things pick up. But uh, one thing I want to point out is, so this car has several driving modes. The comfort mode is obviously the softest. So you've got the suspension is soft, the steering, it doesn't feel so tight, the powertrain, the throttle response is a little looser. Uh, But you can go to Sport and then Sport Plus, which seems silly in a car like this. But I want to bring it up because it actually turns it into a very well handling, very nicely handling car. Uh, Not a sports car by any means, but it definitely tightens things up so you can feel some of that 500, 496 horsepower. Uh, You still don't hear it, but then you can start to feel some of it a little bit better. Um, in any case, the car's got a 12.3 inch digital uh, widescreen wide screen gauge cluster. It's configurable. You can show uh, audio information, navigation, vehicle speed, performance, all sorts of stuff, Jack. We just talked about all the features this car has. A lot of them line up right in front of you in the gauge cluster. Uh, so that's really cool. It's got a 12.8 inch OLED touchscreen. Now, this is like a it's like a, not a portrait. It's kind of a square almost. It's a very unique orientation on this. It's it's mounted right in the middle of the dash. Extremely easy to see. It's got a mix of uh, touch controls below it and then obviously the on-screen controls. Wireless Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, um, navigation. And then we could spend the rest of this day, maybe even this week, talking about the safety and tech features that the car has. Uh, but the thing I want to point out is that it's got a the Burmester 3D sound system, so the speakers move depending on where the sound needs to be and where the vehicle, where there are people inside. And the front seats that come with this optional feature uh, that my wife absolutely hated uh, that vibrates the seats with the bass uh, in the stereo. And you don't actually have to have the stereo turned up very loud for that to be uh, the case, which uh, it was very disconcerting for her. So uh, she didn't love that. But uh, people who buy this car, Jack, and you probably agree, they buy the car to be driven in the car a lot of the times. They're not the ones actually piloting it. So uh, sitting in the back seat, the back passenger side uh, chair reclines. It has an ottoman or a, a footrest that folds out. Uh, there's a color touchscreen tablet built into the rear uh, armrest for control. So tech upon tech upon tech. But the point here is that this is an opulent car. There's plenty of room for four people to ride in this car. Um, we probably could have thrown my dog in there, but I really was paranoid about him chewing on one on something that costs more than my house to replace. So uh, all in all, Jack, I think if you've got 150 grand to spend on an executive car and you need something like this, I don't think you do much better than the S-Class. Yeah, it's just an amazing, amazing piece of machinery. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to afford one, but I sure do love it. Uh, and it's a just boggles the mind every time you get in it. So very, very cool. It's kind of wasted, I think, on a lot of people who get them <laughs> in a lot of ways. But uh, I was, as you said, kind of the polar opposite with what I'm driving. And that is the, uh, the Chevrolet Bolt EV. 
The big news for the Bolt EV this year is its price is much lower. Chevrolet lowered the price about $5,900, which sounds like a big price drop, but then you realize, oh, well, they've lost the $7,500 federal tax credit, so if you do the math there, I don't know that the math necessarily works for you, but it's still lower price than it was before, and it's in the 20000 you know, it's less than $30,000, so that's very, very cool. And price or price alone, it's a cool vehicle. There's a lot to like about the, the Bolt EV. It is a pure battery electric vehicle, if that's not plain. It's 163 inches long, which makes it one of the shortest vehicles on the U.S. market. I think maybe the Mini is is shorter, but very few things are shorter than that. There is a variant too called the Bolt EUV that is the utility vehicle version of this. And one of the things I found in doing the research on both of them is the Bolt EV actually has a tiny bit more storage space than the EUV has, <laughs> which is totally counterintuitive. And you wouldn't expect that either, is the way I look at it. That being said, I think there's a lot to like about getting the Bolt EV because it provides all of that uh, 200 horsepower that uh, the EUV has. They're uh, virtually the same uh, in terms of powertrain and everything else. In terms of range, uh, range is pretty good at uh, over 200 miles, I think 259 miles or something like that of range on a charge. So that's a reasonable amount of range. As I said, it doesn't uh, qualify for the uh, 50, uh, for the $7,500 tax credit, but the, the price starts at $27,590. That's including the destination charge. So that's a great way to get into an EUV or, or an, uh, an EV rather. Boy, I'm tripping on uh, Chevy's nomenclature here. An EV uh, with that kind of range. I think it's, it's, it's a pretty cool vehicle all the way around. And then you go to the 2LT trim and it's just a little over $30,000. So I, I think it competes quite well, except maybe in size, with, with the newer EVs like the um, Kia EV6. What's your take, Chris? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Chevy coming out of the battery fire recalls that they had for both of those vehicles, they lowered the price. You know, uh, you could. So, first of all, the tax credits come at the end of the year. If you buy the car at the lower price, you feel it right away. So, I mean, I guess I could see the benefit there, even though it's not, it's less money that you're getting up front, but it is a cool car. The Chevy's tech is great. The infotainment system is easy to use. Surprisingly fun car to drive. Very go-kart like it feels, feels smaller than it is, which is surprising given how, given how small it is that you just described it to be. Um, and the styling is pretty cool too. So uh, it stacks up well, especially for the price and 259 miles of range. That's not too bad. No, it's pretty good. And uh, if you're doing it right, I mean, you never have to um, be fearful uh, of range at all. It's about the same as the Hyundai Kona EV, a little better range than the Nissan Leaf. Leaf comes in a lot of flavors these days. So uh, some, some Leafs will offer more horsepower and more range and some will not, but plenty of power here um, and immediate torque. So it feels fun to drive, you know, stoplight to stoplight. It's it's a great urban car. Charging time is not uh, as good, even in fast charge, as some of the newer vehicles out there. It doesn't accept uh, a charge quite as rapidly as some of the vehicles, and that may or may not be a big deal to you. It does come with a uh, dual-level um, charging cord, which is useful or could be useful depending on where you're charging. Uh, it would be nice if it took on more range quicker uh, than sitting around <laughs> the DC fast charger and, and going, do I need another cup of coffee? What am I going to do here for another 15 or 20 minutes? It also has a flat bottom steering wheel as an option. So that's certainly sporty. I think we talked about that last week, right? I mean, you like that flat bottom steering wheel, don't you? 
Yeah, but uh, it doesn't increase the sporty feel all that much if the powertrain is not there. So <laughs> Yeah, I think the powertrain is reasonably good here, though, and uh, infotainment system is much better. This now has the, the latest Chevrolet infotainment system, which doesn't have a snappy name, but I think is, is quite a good system, and so that is good, and, a, and quite a big screen. So they didn't really mess much at all with the uh, drivetrain. This is essentially the same drivetrain uh, that... Uh, Bolt EV came with uh, all along, but they've, you know, made this a, a better value. So uh, I'm in favor of this vehicle. If you're looking to get an EV, dip, kind of dip your toe into the EV market, uh, this thing at under uh, $30,000 or right around $30,000, certainly something to look at. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Chevy hit the right marks on price, on usability, on range. And you could probably actually buy one, I think, which is the big contrast between some of the newest EV models that are on sale right now. So, uh, as you said, I'm I'm on board with the Bolt. I will take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had two very cool vehicles this time around, but both <laughs> very, very different ones. And I'd love to see, uh, you know, the Bolt next to the S-Class, just for the juxtaposition of uh, what that would look like. It would be pretty cool to see. Well, when we come back, we will be speaking with Mike Darrow. He is CEO and president of True Car. They have a really interesting initiative that going to help people buy cars digitally through the TrueCar and TrueCar.com and through their app. So we'll talk with him about that. Stick around for that. With Christine, this is Jack Red with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red with you. And we have a terrific guest for you. Mike Darrow is president of TrueCar. And I think you all know what True Car is. You've seen them advertised on TV. You, you see the place where you go to find out prices to buy cars and buy cars. And uh, Mike, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, thanks for having me, Jack. It's good to be here and get a chance to talk to you. You've got some exciting things going on. And certainly we are in a very exciting, quote unquote, vehicle market these days. But uh, th- exciting things are happening at True Car. Why don't you tell us about that to get us started here? They are. They are. And, and I'll start with what you mentioned. You know, the, the macro conditions out there are different than we've ever seen. Uh, new car inventories are at levels around a million units. And, you know, in having tracked this business pre-COVID, that number was three, three and a half million. So they're, they're, new car inventory is very restricted, causing pricing to go up, cost used car prices up. Well, what that all means is, you know, the value of a property like TrueCar.com becomes that much more important it's tough these days to just drive up to a dealership and find a vehicle you're used to finding there, right? Their inventories are depleted. So we encourage consumers to start online, you know, build their consideration and shopping set, find a vehicle in a dealer's inventory before they spend the time to go out because, you know, inventories are down at levels that most shoppers who have been out of the market for three or four years have never seen before. And you have great perspective on the market, uh, Mike, because you look at both the used car side and the new car side. You're dealing with dealers that, uh, of course, sell both. Uh, and that gives you a good perspective, doesn't it? It does. And, and, you know, we get a chance. Oftentimes we think of shoppers as either a new car buyer or a used car buyer. And, and there are some that separate themselves like that. You know, people who lease uh, generally are new car buyers. And, and But we see a lot of the folks who come to our site bouncing back be, back and forth between new and used. So, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, affordability is the issue. Most Americans are payment shoppers. They want to find a vehicle that meets their needs and fits into their monthly payment uh, schedule. So they'll bounce back and forth between a new and a used vehicle. And then they may look at a 
a new Toyota Camry and a used uh, BMW 3 Series where the price would be pretty much the same. So, you know, we see a lot of back and forth new and used. Prices are certainly at levels we haven't seen much in, in uh, many of my days in the industry. Uh, our data shows that in April, over 65% of the new cars sold, sold above MSRP. So with the low supply, you know, uh, in a supply and demand market, prices are going to go up. And uh, that's what consumers are facing out there. But there are good deals to be found. You know, we've got nearly a million cars on our site. And if someone comes to our site and spends the time to look, they can usually find a deal that's a vehicle that meets their need and a price that they can uh, a price they can afford. And a lot of people are switching back and forth between new and used now, I think, because of availability. Where they wouldn't before, a lot of times you're liable to get that car you want in, in used condition, maybe a year or two old, versus uh, a brand new one just because there's no inventory of the new one. So what's your take on that? Well, yeah, that's absolutely the case. And, and all of the manufacturers do a nice job of having certified pre-owned vehicles you know, when their dealers take in a, a a new model used car with low miles, they can certify it, put an extended warranty on it for the consumer. And, and those vehicles are almost like new. So, you know, a lot of people will come to our site, start shopping new cars, switch to certified pre-owned uh, and see that there's a lot of value in those type of cars. And oftentimes, like you say, they can find a car that's closer to the equipment needs that they were looking for when they started. Tell us a bit, Mike, about shopping on TrueCar these days. A lot of people probably have experienced TrueCars over the years, gone to the website, uh, picked up the app and, and used the app. But uh, you've made some changes, and I think some further changes are in the offing. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, all of our research, Jack, tells us that people want to do more and more of the shopping experience online. So, you know, listing sites were originally created many years back just to help find vehicles. On TrueCar.com now, you can come, you can find the vehicle you're looking for, you can understand the price the dealer's willing to sell the car at, but then you can go and, and you can actually calculate a monthly payment. We have a desking tool on our site that allows a consumer to tell us what type of term they're looking for, how much money they have to put down, and we can actually calculate a payment that would be just like in a dealership. We have a tool that allows a consumer to get a cash value for their used car, another big piece of the shopping process that you know, uh, used to be executed inside the dealership. Uh, we have the ability for a consumer to actually go directly and get financing on our site and they can get approved for credit. So you can put all the pieces together online now on a site like truecar.com, or you can go very deep into the process and get much of the experience done before you go to the store. And in, and in Florida, we've actually launched a product called TrueCar uh, True Car Plus. And in TrueCar Plus, you can actually go from end to end. You can go from discovery to driveway. And, you know, we have all the tools stitched together so a consumer can start, build a consideration set, calculate a payment for their vehicle, get a value for their trade, uh, you know, do the financing, actually sign the buyer's order online. Uh, and in our pilot in Florida, in the testing we're doing there, we'll actually ship the vehicle. So if you're uh, a, a bit of a distance from the dealership, we'll ship the vehicle to you. So we're trying to bring all of that, you know, experience in dealership experience online to make it more convenient for the shopper. Well, that certainly is something a lot of uh, shoppers uh, and car buyers are looking for. And I think they're, they're looking maybe for that end-to-end -end solution. 
definitely. And I think some want a, a large part of the solution and maybe they'll go to the dealer to do a test drive and, and maybe uh, finish up their transaction at the dealership. Uh, does this new program enable that too, Mike? It does. It does, Jack. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, the, the, with the growing generations that have bought many, many, many things in their lives online, we think that number will grow. But there's still a lot of people who want to start the process online. They want to understand uh, what the payments look like for a vehicle they're willing to purchase. They want to get a value for their trade. And then they want to connect with a dealership and, and finish the deal up. And, and our program allows that. We feed them right into our retail network. Uh, and they can actually go and, and, and finish the process right at the dealership. And the, the dealers love it because it's much more efficient. You know, oftentimes, and, and you, you've been in dealerships on a Saturday, you can spend four or five hours trying to buy a car. Uh, if you get much of the work done online before you go in, you know, we think a consumer can be out in 30 to 60 minutes by just going in and finishing up the deal having a salesperson walk them through the car, show them all the features, maybe meet the service advisor if they're going to have their, their work done there. But it becomes a very efficient process for both the consumer and the dealer. Yeah, I mean, you can start this process, I would imagine, at 11 o'clock at night. You know, you're sitting in your pajamas about to go to bed, maybe having a little cookies and milk or something like that and, and working on your car deal. And then you you pick it up the next day and, uh, you know, work it through. And uh, pretty soon you're close to a deal and then you consummate the deal on your own time. And I think that's really one of the things that people are looking most for, isn't it? It is, Jack. And and, and people have busy lives. You know, they, they're they're taking care of kids. They're shuttling folks around. They're, they're in and out of the car market and and what we built on TrueCar.com allows you to start it, save the work you've done, come back to it, continue further, continue along the path, you know, like you said, maybe a little bit before you go to bed at night, and then pick it up the next day and, and finish it out and, and make an appointment. We'll actually help you schedule the appointment to go into the dealership to get the car. So we're, we're doing everything we can to make it as, as uh, useful for the consumer and as controllable and as convenient as it can be. And, and dealers are telling us they love the efficiency, the ability to get a consumer in, uh, get them through the process efficiently and, and get on to the next customer uh, is exciting to them as well. So it seems to be working for both consumers and dealers. Right. It strikes me you've got at least two things going for you that uh, others can't deliver. And that is with TrueCar, you're dealing with a, a large number of dealers, not just one dealership. I mean, even an outlet like Carvana, for example, is really a single dealership. It's a different kind of dealership, but uh, it's, a, it's a single dealership with a, a single group of inventory. You're, you can leverage inventory from across the board. And you're also dealing with both new and used vehicles, right? So those are two major advantages to TrueCar versus others out there. Yeah, the, the, the digital retailers, and, and you mentioned Carvana and CarMax is in that, you know, they're, they're, they're great propositions. Uh, they do a nice job at what they do, but they're limited with the amount of inventory they have. Uh, and they can only, like you say, they only have used cars. So we have new cars and used cars, and we have the certified used cars that the franchise dealers have that like a Carvana and a CarMax and, and some of those folks can't do. So we have nearly a million cars on our site. We love the fact that it gives the consumers a broad, a broad range of vehicles to shop through. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we think it's a, an experience consumers will lean into and, and, and work at their own pace 
shop at their own pace and, and be able to hopefully find a vehicle that meets their needs. This is a wild market, right? With the inventory shortages, I, and now interest rates are, are liable to go up. It's it's pretty obvious that that's very likely to happen. I'd say almost a guarantee that that's going to happen. This is a uh, we're we're experiencing an inflation in and rates we haven't in forty or fifty years. I mean, what's your advice to the typical car buyer out here who is deluged with all kinds of information and just doesn't know where to turn? Well, I, I think do your research is the best advice I can give a consumer who's who needs to buy a vehicle. And and you know, many of the people, uh, Jack, who are discretionary buyers have just kind of stepped out of the market for the time being. But there are folks out there who need to buy a car. Uh, and if you're in that situation, do your research ahead of time. Uh, use a site like TrueCar.com to look across new and used and certified pre-owned vehicles. There's also an interesting, you know, the offerings out there for electric vehicles are starting to grow. And and you and I both being here in Southern California, know with gasoline prices approaching seven dollars, uh, electric vehicles are ending up high on consumer shopping lists. So spend your time doing your research. Find a vehicle that meets your needs. Uh, and then use a site like truecar.com to connect with the dealer and finish the deal up when you're ready to do that. Yeah, I mean, talk about gas prices. I saw 7.29 on a uh, on a gas station uh, up near Beverly Center yesterday. So the fuel prices are just crazy, but there are good alternatives now, aren't there, Mike? There are. There's there's a number of hybrids in the marketplace for people who aren't really ready to switch all the way to EV and then there's new EV entries coming into the market uh, almost every month, it seems like. I was fortunate, Jack, I got to go to the New York Auto Show, uh, and they were featuring electric vehicles in New York. And because there's no emissions, they actually had a test track inside the building uh, in New York, and consumers were getting a chance to drive an electric vehicle. Many people haven't experienced electric. Once they get a chance to drive it, they appreciate the performance. They, 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 they find a lot of features they didn't expect. So, you know, I, I think you'll see more and more hybrids and electric vehicles popping up on consumer shopping lists. Right. And I think we're starting to see a pretty robust uh, used EV market, something we had not seen up till now because there just wasn't the, the volume out there. But I imagine, uh, you know, a lot of sales on TrueCar right now are EVs and there's a, an ability to look at EV inventory across a, a bunch of different dealers on TrueCar, right? That's exactly right. And, and, and you're right, you touched on it. Many of the early EVs are coming back to the market as used cars and, and they, they present another uh, opportunities for, con- for consumer to consider. So, you know, a lot of choices out there, um, not as many cars as we'd like, but there still are deals to be found. Uh, there's good buys out there if a consumer is willing to spend the time and and do their research. And, and at TrueCar, we're, we're here to help as best we can. I know you're doing this pilot program in Florida. How long will that take? And uh, are you anticipating you'll probably roll that out across other states going forward? Yeah, we absolutely, uh, with, with the, uh, the positive results we've seen thus far, what the plan is uh, to begin to roll it out uh, across the country after that and bring it to different marketplaces and, and give consumers the opportunity to experience a full end-to-end digital car buying experience on a marketplace like TrueCar. And and I think it'll be something that uh, people will want to try out. They'll get a chance to see it. And like I said, if the car's not in your market, when inventory's short, we'll ship the car to you. So a lot of benefits to uh, us rolling this out nationally in the second half of this year. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for you because I think that's a solution a lot of people are looking for. And uh, I can't wait till it rolls out nationally and I can test it myself. 
Well, we'll make sure when we get out in this market, we'll, we'll get you a link sent and get you on it. It's, it's something that uh, we've seen some real positive results for in Florida and both the dealers and the consumers who are using it are liking it. So, you know, a little bit more testing and we'll be ready to go. Well, Mike Darrow of TrueCar, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jack. It's always good to talk to you. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red back with you. We're so glad you're with us. It's listener question time. The time just shoots by when I'm talking with Chris about cars. I hope you guys are enjoying it too. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we appreciate it. We got a listener question for you. And uh, I'd love to hear Chris's answer to this. This is from Chester in Ludington, Michigan. And this is what Chester has to say. Our family was going to buy a Chevy Tahoe before gasoline prices shot up. But now I'm having second thoughts. Can we expect gas prices to drop again? Or do you think we're going to be looking at $4 plus gas for a long period of time? Chris? Uh, let me bust out the crystal ball here. That one's really yeah. tough, Jack. I will say that, you know, I don't know any more about what's going to happen tomorrow than anybody else does. But I will say this. As we move towards electric vehicles, so as more automakers start making more EVs and perhaps start phasing out some of their internal combustion engines, it only makes sense that gas will become uh, either less available or more expensive or, you know, over time, I think that's probably going to be something that we, that we, that we see, uh, as the incentives pick up on EVs or if those things happen, Jack is not really on board with incentives. So I'm going to steer clear of, of that discussion here today. Uh, I can, I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't see gas falling drastically in the next few years. Do you Jack? I think it could actually, Chris. And I think it could just because historically it has, right? I mean, it's gone up and it's gone down. And I, I remember the days when we were fearful of running out of gas, running out of oil. And that was one of the first rationales for hybrid vehicles and for all of that stuff 30 or 40 years ago. We're going to run out of fossil fuels. Now we just want to walk away from fossil fuels. We don't want to run out of them. Uh, we don't want to use them. Uh, you know, they're in the ground. There's stuff there to to be had. But I think gas prices are could go up, could go down. Some of it depends on politics. Some of it depends on what we see in terms of regulations. And I would say go ahead and buy that Tahoe. That's the end of our show for this week. Chris, thanks so much for speaking with me about cars, as you always do. It's always fun. I always have fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll say if you like what you heard and you want to bring us with you wherever you go, head to the sportsmapradio.com website. There you can find us on the Saturday schedule. You can find our Apple podcast as well as podcasts on every other platform and a formatted radio version of the show. Thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road. We do appreciate that. And most of all, thanks for listening to America on the Road. You're the reason we do what we do. So thanks for being out there. And we look forward to speaking with you next time on another edition of America on the Road.